what an introduction. Oh, my God. May the Lord help me to do what he's called me to do. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Amen. My heart is well. Uh, Pastor has already said my name. I am saved this morning. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. He has walked with me through the valleys and the mountains. And uh, he, I have proven faithful. That just like somebody testified today, that the Lord is faithful. Amen? Amen. I don't know where to begin, but... Hmm. When I was requested to share, very many things came to my mind. And I started preparing, but Lord just changes things around. But I thank God this morning that the word that I have has been... What do I say? Somebody has um, confirmed that that is the word for today. And as I go through uh, the message, you get to know that uh, somebody that did confirm. I want to start with... Um, I'm not very good in cars because many women are not good in cars. But when I came to this land, we got a car for me. And the, the car, when we got it, it came with a check engine. And I, I didn't know what the check engine was about. But Baba Jao said that we needed to take it to find out what the problem is. And the person who, who, whom we got it from said that they have been driving it like that for many years. So it doesn't seem to be a big problem. But I was scared. When my husband explained to me what it meant, I was scared to drive it with a check engine. And so what, what, what do you do when you have a car with a check engine? We took it to get checked at AutoZone, and the guy behind the counter came out with a tool in his hand, and he plugged into the car, and that tool reads the computer of the car and tells you exactly what the problem is, and the whether the problem is big or small, and the remedy for that car. And I'm not saying that that car, that it has, still has a check engine, but we know what it is, and it is partly taken care of. So I don't feel scared when I drive it, because I know exactly what the problem is. And this week, as I was driving that car, the Lord started speaking to me about the check engines of our lives. And I'm like, hmm. Do you ever have a check engine of your life? Those small nuggets that the Lord keeps telling you, check here, check there, check there, and we ignore them. And that's what we are going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the check engines of our lives. I had somebody uh, who thought that the light was a nuisance, that check engine light was a nuisance, and they took a tape and sealed the light a black tape, and they sealed the light so that they don't keep seeing it. But whether you put a black tape or you don't put black tape, that light is still there. All you are doing is denying the problem. How many times spiritually have we put a, light, a black tape in the lights of our lives? I don't know about you, but I've had those checks. I've had those checks being told. I remember one time when I was back home in Thika, the Lord told me to, 
I can say that the Lord this time. The Lord told me to disconnect from a relationship that I had with a friend of mine, a lady. Let me, let me, let me be straight here. <laughs> because I was alone at home. She, the Lord told me to disconnect with somebody. And I did connect, disconnect for two weeks. And then this lady had a way of coming back into my life. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I ignored it. And she came back into my life. And the end of it was worse than before. How we parted after that was worse than before. Because I ignored that uh, check engine light. So today as we speak about this, uh, start here listening to those nuggets. Today we will talk about the check engine of our lives. And we are going to see the need we all have to plug when things go wrong. And we are going to discover how cost recovering up the check engine light with a black tape can be. It can be very costly. And how plugging in might help diagnose the problem. I want to believe, if I'm not wrong, uh, wrong, that I think that we all have periods, periods in our lives where the check engine has been on. I have said at least I have, not once, many times. You know, you can't just, to, to, you can't seem to overcome a, a, a problem that you have. Like mom said about lying, that's what I was talking about. When we get saved, we don't become perfect. We start a process. And there are many things from the back of our life, from the life back there, that you try to follow us. So if you don't check those engines, though you don't take the right of the check engine, we might come through with them. We might bring them into where we are. And I thank God that my sister talked about lying because some of us are so used to lying that even when we get saved, we continue lying, like, automatically. The other thing is that we are, not, we are not treating members of our family with love and respect. Even our children. The Bible says that treat your children with love and respect. And sometimes the way we speak to them, or that we talk about them, we do, we do, we do not honor them. Like I had a friend of mine said, uh, you know, she was talking to her daughter. That her daughter had become pregnant out of wedlock. I was telling her, how can you do this to our family? It's such a shame. That is not encouraging to a child. The child has already done something wrong. But as a parent, you need to be able to talk to them in a way that they feel welcomed in their home. The other one I've heard is... Uh, you know, you are uh, our husbands or our wives. As husbands and wives, we don't treat each other with respect. Or you can't seem to get out of debt. Or that the spirit of lust is, is upon you. There are many things that we come with into Christianity. So what do we do? Let's check our Bibles. We're just going to read a few verses. From Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 3. Verse 1 to 3. My Bible has a heading that says, Bear and share the burdens. 
brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Hmm. And I read those verses, and I'm like, I, we need each other. We need each other in this walk. Just like the plug, the, the man who comes to check your engine, you may need somebody in your life who will check on you. I, have, I had a friend in Thika who was a, a pastor, and they were not having a very good relationship with the wife. He was kind of, the words he used and the, the way he treated her, things were not going right. And this lady approached somebody who was older than them, and they started talking. And this man became responsible. He became accountable to this man, to this other man, friend. And they would meet like once a week, or he would call him and ask, have you, been, have you said things to your wife that are not pleasing? Have you talked with a tone that would suggest that you're not respectful? And this went on for a year, and this guy changed. So what I'm saying is we need somebody who can plug into our check engines of our hearts and find out what the problem is. Um, the Bible says that the NIV, the NIV, the NIV Bible says, talks talk about this verse as if a man is caught in sin. And remember, Paul is not writing to heathen. He is writing to Galatians. And Galatia was a location, not a church. And this is the first time that Paul writes to a location. Usually he would address a certain church the Corinthian church, the Ephesians church. But this time he's talking to a region which is Galatia and had many churches. So I would believe he's talking to us today because we are in that region of Christianity. When I first read it, I thought, well, if a, somebody is caught in sin, so I thought somebody is caught red-handed, you know, if somebody is caught red-handed, uh, <laughs> but it is not that. I found out that the original meaning of the word caught is the way the, uh, the, new, uh, the new King James says it, to be overtaken. Or to be overtaken by surprise or trapped or caught up in or ensnared by something. And you are ensnared by some things, even sicknesses. Not just sin. But this then says that even when you are Christian, we can have sin. Because Paul was not writing to people who are not saved. He was writing to Christians. So we could read this verse like this. If a man or a woman is trapped, overcome by sin, or you who are spiritual, restore such. So what I understand in this verse is that we should not always trust ourselves in trying to diagnose a problem. 
Sin is itself is very deceptive. Sometimes we need somebody else to help us gain a proper perspective. And I was thinking about this and I thought, have you ever hung a picture on the wall? You go, you put it, and then you stand back to see if it's straight. Then you go back again and you try to put it. And finally, you may not even put it straight. And somebody else will come and tell you, hey, did you put that picture on? It's not straight. And while that person is there, they guide you into the way, you, you know, you're going to put it right so they can be straight. The problem is, when you're hanging that picture on your own, you are too close to get a good perspective. You're too close to the picture to get a good perspective. It is often the same with the spiritual. When you try to deal with your own problem, you're too close to see a proper perspective. And you may need somebody else to look from a distance to tell you this is where the problem is. So in verse 2, Paul calls the fellowship of the church to bear one another's burdens. One another's burdens. The Greek word for burdens, I can't say it, but it's poshio, refers to something beyond the normal capacity to carry a load. A burden is something that is beyond the normal capacity that you can be able to carry. That is a burden. So when you say that I have a burden in my heart, it means that it is beyond you. You're not able to carry it. And you need somebody else to help you. And that is a call for mutual accountability in the, in, the, in the church of Jesus Christ. We must develop a relationship that is more than casual. When we are here as brethren, as people that stay, you know, come together on Wednesdays to, 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 to do Bible study, people that meet for fellowship, we must have a, develop a, a, a relationship that is more than casual. I'm supposed to look at my sister and know something is wrong. Something is wrong. And I should go and ask, how can I help you? Do you want to share? I was so happy yesterday. Yesterday, actually, I wasn't feeling well. And somebody noticed. And they came and told me, are you sick? Because they care. They can see that some, something is not wrong. I'm not normal self, my normal self. And that is how we should carry each other's burdens. We believe that we have the right to privacy sometimes. You know, it's my private thing. I'm, great, I'm guaranteed privacy. So when we talk about sin or burdens, we come to the conclusion that it is my life. And what I do is between me and God. Usually that's the perspective we have. What I do, why, what I'm feeling, what I'm, what I, you know, this burden is between me and God. But read the words of Paul in this passage again. Paul does not say that the person caught in sin is between him and God. He says instead, Paul calls one who is walking in the spirit to come gently and restore the one who is caught in sin. So it's not about you and God. We are a family. And in this family, we carry each other's burdens. 
I did not know what pastor was going to say but, about me, but I have learned or somebody taught me with time to hold people's secrets. If somebody comes and shares with me about a problem they are going through, it is not mine to go sharing it out. That is, we call that gossip in the name of prayer. Because you're going to, hey, by the way, pray for so and so, they are going through this. If they wanted that person to know, they would have gone to tell that person. But they came to you in confidence. So we need to be people that keep, can keep things in our hearts when people share with us. We need to be accountable to the people that we are helping so that they can be able to trust us. If you are trying to bear the burden of sin, you don't have to bear it alone. You don't have to. Quit trying it, going, at all, going it alone, because it will overwhelm you. It will overwhelm you. When, <laughs> I keep referring to this because there are many years. I stayed in Kenya alone without my husband for 15 years. So I have a lot of stories concerning those 15 years. You know, many things happened. And I think I was in, in training. I was in training for many things. I learned many things. I learned many things that Christians do to each other. I learned to have shock absorbers, to, to hold people, to, not to hold people, even when I've heard what they have talked about me. I kind of asked the Holy Spirit to pour an anointing oil on me. You know when you have oil and somebody tries to pour water on you? It won't stick, it just, you know, because you have oil. And I told God, just cover my heart with oil so that whatever I hear will not stick into my heart. And God did that. Because you would think that in the churches where you'll have people that can care about you, but there were people, they were there, yes, but there were few. And I would pray that this church would be a place where people can come and feel comfortable. This church should be a place where people can carry each other's burdens. This church is a place where we can lift one another, regardless of how the person is, because God is calling us to do that. Now, when I give an example of the check engine, when this person comes and finds out the problem, some problems are small, very small. The other day I found out <laughs> our friend's car had a check engine, and what, what, what the problem was, was that the, the, one, the cap to the, to the tank was not properly closed, and that brought a check engine, something really very small. It can also be something that, if not taken care of, can bring a, a, a bigger problem. And it can be that the problem is already too big and it needs to be fixed straight away. And so there is no problem that is too small for God to show you a check engine of your heart. Whether it's a small lie, you hear that knock, you hear it. Whether it is stealing, you hear it. Whatever it is, whether big or small, God is so concerned about the big and the small because he wants you to walk in righteousness. And in this journey, we become better and better and not back and forth, back and forth. 
We need to be people that work out our salvation with fear and trembling and going forward, not back and forth. So, I'm wondering, who does a, pastor, a person walking by the Spirit look like? How can you know a person walking by the Spirit of God? Let's go back to Galatians, but this time chapter 5. We go back a little bit towards the end of chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 25. It talk about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So the person who is walking in the spirit is a person who is living by the spirit. Is a person who has the fruit of the spirit. And remember, the Bible does not call it fruits. It is one fruit consisting of all these things. Then Paul continues now from there. He continues to chapter 6, after one verse, which is 26. And it almost seems like he, Paul is suggesting that we all, at one time or another, need help in keeping in step with the Spirit. We all, all of us, whether we got saved a long time ago or we got saved yesterday, we all have a need for help in keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So we are caught to invest in one another's lives. I invest in your life, you invest in mine. Now, the second part of verse 2 says, because in doing so, we we'll fulfill the law of Christ. So what is this law? that we are fulfilling, when we are helping one another, when we are bringing one another in the, to walk in the spirit, what is the law that we are keeping? Again, we go to Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. This is when the scribes came to ask Jesus, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus said, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30, and you shall love the Lord with all your, uh, your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this. Like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. Amen. So in mutual accountability, an effective way we can fulfill the law of Christ is to love God and to love one another. Period. Love God and love one another. Accountability with love for people, but without love for God, ends up in unwise counsel. It leads to self-help therapy. Let me repeat that. 
accountability with love for people and without love for God ends up in unwise counsel and it leads to therapy. And accountability with love for God but not love for people ends up in self-righteousness, judgmentalism, and condemnation of people. I think the second one was a problem with the Pharisees. They loved God a lot, but did not care much about people. And that's why they turned sprinters into logs in their eyes. God illustrated this, the perfect kind of love in accountability. Even in the midst of sin of mankind, God dealt with it in love. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves us so much that he, that is why he brings in those check engines of our lives so that we can become better. Because he loves us. He's not trying to punish you. And sometimes these nuggets, when you go to fix them, they are painful. They are very painful. But God is not causing you pain. He is actually working in you so that you can become a better person. Love and accountability are difficult, are, are difficult combination to pull through. They are very difficult. And especially when it comes to loving our children. You are accountable to them. They are doing things wrong. And you still want to, to help them with the love, it is really painful. It is difficult. Sometimes you feel like you would take an injection and inject salvation or inject respect or inject whatever you want. But you have to deal with them in love. You have to deal with them in love. This week, this last week, I also had the opportunity to meet Bishop Mulandi and he told me a story that really kept me thinking. He told me that one of the pastors in Thika, his daughter is married to a Mukamba. You know how, how Kenyans and tribalism, I don't know what we are going to do. His daughter, he's a Kikushi, she's a Kikushi, they are Kikuyus, and the daughter is married to a Mukamba. And there was a, a conflict between the Kambas and the Kikuyus somewhere. And this lady, the, 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 the wife to this pastor went with a pick up and took her daughter from that man. They packed everything. They just left the bed. This is a pastor's wife. Packed and left just one bed and carried his daughter with them. Just because there was a conflict with other people between Mukamba and Kikuyus. Because they hate Mukamba so much that he does not want even the daughter to be associated. But he is for, this, this woman is forgetting this girl has a child or children. And these children have the blood of our cambas. What is she going to do? Drain the blood? I mean, as a Christian, I thought about it and I'm like, as a Christian, seriously, how can you do such a thing? How can you then go and preach to people? Because God has called you to all the world. Suppose he gave you, a, 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 as, as, suppose he gave the, the husband a church in, in Cumberland. How can she go there and preach to those people without love? 
And that is why that I say that without love for God, you become self-righteous. So this woman, what is she saying is that kikus are better than canvas. Nobody is better than the other. We are all children of God. We are all children of God. And actually, me, I embrace intermarriages. Because this is how we are going to finish tribalism in Kenya. There's no other way. Intermarriages of tribes, I really embrace it. That is beside the point. <laughs> we may encounter shame when we are going through uh, the correcting of, uh, of those, of those uh, checking engine lights. We may hear a parent talking to his child, you know, badly. Look at what, look at what that drug problem has done, the reputation of the family. Can you imagine? You're telling your child, look at that, what drug problem has done to the reputation of the family. Is the reputation of the family more important than your child? Are you worried more about the reputation of people, what people will say? Or are you worried about correcting your child and bringing them to a fold? Let us be serious Christians. Embrace your child, no matter what they are doing. No matter what they are doing, embrace them and let them know that you love them. Because if you don't show them love, you're going to lose them. You're going to lose them. At the heart of that, such statements is a spirit of pride. Those men of God, of look at what you are doing to reputation. How could you get pregnant out of the red rock? What reputation are you trying to protect? It is a spirit of pride. A spirit of pride. I'm sorry I'm using very hard words, but this is how it came. Accountability and love must go together in order to be effective. You're accountable. Even the, Paul has said, do it gently with love. Accountability and love must go together in order to be effective. Verse 1b, I'll go to verse 1b of Galatians 6. Also says, Considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted and fall. Is it possible while correcting somebody else that you could be tempted? I'll give you a story. A youth pastor. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, my brother, uh, Eric. A youth pastor was trying to help his, 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 his members or his, the people he was helping with the, with the spirit of pornography. And because he had been born, with, he, he was, because he was, he was a little baby, he had never known about this thing. So he decided, let me check what, 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 what I'm dealing with. So that I can be able to, to help them. Amen. He went on the internet and started watching pornography and he got addicted. Instead of trying to understand so he can help, he himself got addicted. And this is a true story. We were dealing with it in the Dika church. He got addicted. And <laughs> so that is why verse B, Paul, I really like Paul. Paul is saying, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted and fall. This, this issue of accountability, this issue of working with one another, this issue of checking our engines, we should be very sharp to check it. 
every time I look at that check engine in my car as I drive, I try to ask the Lord. And it, has, it started just like two weeks ago. I tried the Lord, Lord, check, help me to see the engine of my heart. Not that engine of my car. Help me to see the engine of my heart. How am I doing? How am I doing spiritually? And when I asked that question, the other, the, uh, two days after, I was listening to the radio on my way to work, and uh, I heard somebody say on the radio, if you are working more than 100 hours a week, you are imbalanced. You are imbalanced in your family and your, your time with God. That week, I think I worked about 120 hours. And I go like, oh my God. So this, this uh, check engine light is so real. I'm praying, Lord, help me to see myself to see the, check, the engine of my heart. And somebody comes and says, if you're working more than 100 hours a week, you're imbalancing yourself between work, family, and God. And when I checked myself, it was true. I wasn't spending enough time with God as I should. I decided that is a nugget. That is a check engine that I need to listen, and, to, listen to and follow. No matter how much money I need, it will never be enough. It will be enough. And at the end of this, this life, we are going to spend eternity with God. So we would rather, we'd rather practice spending time with him now so that we, we can be perfected to face him when we go to heaven. Yesterday, we had, some of us attended an auction that Pastor Andy was doing. And there were very expensive things there. Precious things. A big house, a big mansion. As we were going home, my husband asked me, by the way, what happened to the owners of that house? I told him they passed on. And then he said, Lady, this world is useless. The things of this world are useless. And that's why the, God, the word of God says, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and no other things shall be added unto you. Then the word of God says that he has given us everything we need for this life and for godliness. It doesn't matter what you have now. You have shelter over your roof. I mean, you have roof, a roof over your head. You have, you have a job, some of us. You have a car to drive to work. Let us not be looking for big mansions. Ignoring to spend time with God so that you can get these things. Then I heard somebody else say on the radio the other day that prosperity does not depend on how much you earn. You can earn little, and God gives you the wisdom to handle it so that you get what you need. And somebody else can get a lot of money without wisdom, misuse it, and not get what they want. So what we need in everything, even in our, in our money, it is God. We need God. We need God but we need more than we need our jobs. We need God and we need more than we need anything. So for t let us try to check these check engines of our lives. And when we hear them, let us be careful to obey them. I must confess I've ignored many. I've ignored many. And have, things have not gone well with me when I've ignored those nuggets. So I want to, I want to be, I'm, it is my prayer. I'm not preaching this message because I've been, I, I'm there. I've reached there. I said it's a process. And I'm also learning to check, to have 
to check the check engines of my heart, not just of my car. Um, I don't have a very long message, so I want to summarize, and I want to say three things. Accountability must be done gently. That's one thing. And number two, accountability must be smoothed in love for God and for people. And number three, accountability must be done carefully lest we fall into sin. Accountability is the way we can plug into a in for a diagnosis to gain a better perspective. Mutual accountability uh, is necessary, it's a necessary tool if we want to grow more in love, in, uh, in loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, gentle, and self-control. How do we look for an accountability partner? Because sometimes, you don't go telling everybody, I said we, we, should, be, we should carry each other's burdens, but you don't go telling everybody what's happening to you. So, how do you get an accountability partner if you need one, when, you, when and if you need one? And we said we all do. Number one, look for someone who is spiritually mature. Someone with the qualities that are mentioned in the Galatians 5, 22 to 25. And then, ask somebody to be accountable to you. Don't cover the check engine with a black tape. Don't cover the check engine with a black tape. Ask somebody to be accountable to you. Like if, like when, if, you're, if you're careless in using your money, or if you have, you're, you're trying to, to pay a debt, ask somebody to be accountable to you. What have you bought this week? When you got your paycheck, what did you buy? What did you do with it? Did you pay part of the debt? Ask somebody to be, to be accountable to you so that you're able to walk out of this mess with help. Because when you cover your, 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 your check engine with a red tape, it can lead to costly repairs. Not just for the car, for your heart too. And as I wrap it up, let's go to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. The Ecclesiastes is after Proverbs. Not there. Ecclesiastes four nine to twelve. I'm missing it too. Okay, I'll read there. Nine to twelve. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Let's go up to twelve. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But what to him who is alone when he falls? For he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be empowered by another, two can withstand him. And a thread of threefold cord is not quickly broken. When we get saved, as I said, we do not become complete. 
we are in a journey. It is a process. And we need one another. And when it says that when we, can, we keep each other warm, sometimes people refer to a couple. But not just a couple. Even in this place. When we are together, we keep each other warm. And one cannot stand alone. That is why we, we, are, we come together as a fellowship. So that we can help each other grow in this work of Christ. My message is not long, but the Lord, may the Lord help us to have the check engines of our hearts. May we be sharp in our minds to know when the Lord is calling us to check the engines of our hearts. God bless you.